Hello and welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid. I'm your host this week, Tom. I'm joined, as always, by Stu. Hello. And Chris. Hello. Stu having a nice little dance to the intro music there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do love a little, get my groove on. Yeah. <laughs> so, Spanish Grand Prix, gentlemen. We have, um, I mean, I think a decent race for Spain. How, how do you two think I think a fared? very good race for Spain. I think finally a normal Formula One Grand Prix weekend without any shenanigans, without any yeah. tomfoolery. And there's one little bit. Yeah. There's one little bit. I'm sure it'll come up at some point. But... Okay. I'll, I'll, but it I'll, was... I will wait until that comes up, whatever that is. I'm excited to find <laughs> out what, that, what, what, what you refer to there. It was good, though. Like That's one of the best races at that track for a very long... It's almost like taking the stupid chicane away like everyone's been saying for about the last eight years was a good idea the whole time weird who right knew? yeah who knew do we think that was that the prime coming? prime cause for it being better or do you think it's a combination of cars and that yeah i think no i think i think even i don't think it's necessarily even the the car thing i think the to- i think every car because the, the the speed is so high it means that the the toe is so strong when you get to the end of that straight, that there was like every, it wasn't just the Red Bull that had mighty DRS, you know, every car had really, really powerful DRS, it seemed like down the end of the straight. So some of the closing speeds, as we found out in qualifying, were just absolutely hectic as they were, you know, as they were catching each other up down the straight. And I think that is purely down to the the maximum speed that they're those cars will do down. Yeah. That straight yeah. is one of the fastest it's made it into one of the fastest braking zones in all of Formula One, I think. Yeah. It must be. And it, I mean, it it makes setup for the rest of the circuit kind of a bit of a compromise as well, because top end yeah. speed is that much more important now. Like they kind of have to compromise on everything else, which just makes it that much more interesting. Yeah. It'd be interesting to compare it to other circuits like that. Like the closest thing I can think in comparison is probably gonna be the start finish straight at Monza. Because the way you come off the parabolica, Mexico as well, maybe Mexico as well, yeah. Like they've all they've all got that similar vibe, haven't they? Like a yeah. really fast carrier speed through the final corner, and then yeah. but it punching a, it down you know, in race trim. In race trim, that is a lift still. That final corner. Oh yeah. It's not you know no car no yeah. cars taking that car flat through. through it's just about actually, what you're carrying through it more than anything. Here's an interesting tidbit for you. Mm-hmm. Only one driver actually went flat through the final corner in Q3. I wonder who that was. Have a guess. Max Verstappen? Fernando Alonso. It was not Alonso. Max Verstappen, actually. Fernando Alonso. Closer, he was actually Lance Stroll, the only man oh, to wow. go flat through the final corner. However, by going flat through the final corner, he was actually had one of the slowest minimum speeds through there because he had to put on so much more steering angle to get mm. through it flat. Whereas, like, I think it was the McLarens were some of the fastest because they both just had, like, a small lift at corner entry, then back on the power, and they actually had a much higher minimum speed than Stroll just keeping his foot pinned. Mm-hmm. It was interesting qualifying, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm. Really good again. Qualifying yeah. this year is just so exciting. If if Max Verstappen wasn't in a league of his own this season, <laughs> then... This season would be absolutely amazing for racing. Like that, right? You just wouldn't be able to call it. It'd be like what was it, 2012, when we had like five or six winners. Yeah. In six, I think seven different winners for 
a few different teams in in the seven first races it was that year. And I feel like if we'd not, I, I mean, I need to check the results for this, but it feels like that kind of season if Max Verstappen isn't just winning everything. Um, so yeah, it's it, 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 qualifying has been amazing. I think the really interesting thing about qualifying was the fact that the the circuit had. I guess like I don't know if it's, whether this is what you were getting at for the the tomfoolery aspect kind of thing, but the the first quali session where there was a set, essentially a river flowing across the track, but no one could see it because of the sort of <laughs> the nuances of like the way the light was hitting the track and the mm. kind of tarmac that it is and the angle that the drivers are looking at. They literally could not see the difference in surface from the water going across the track. And that's why there were all those incidents in the first yeah. quali session. But even then throughout qualifying, it was catching people out. And I think it would be, it, I mean, a lot, I think most people looked at that grid and were like, whoa, like people are drawing com- conclusions. Where have, where have McLaren come from? Where have Alpine come from? Where, yeah. you know, where have Haas come from? Where have all <laughs> these teams come from? What's happened to the pace of the Aston? Mercedes upgrade didn't work. All these sort of wild conclusions coming from one session. And it wasn't until you get into the race when it sort of halfway through the race, you start to realize, oh, actually, it, it was a really, really mixed up grid in the end. It was a really yeah. unusual sort of end to qualifying. So, but I mean, it led to a really, really cool race. It led to a lot of cars being out of position, unbeknownst to sort of most of the audience. And yeah, it, it, it was a very, very good Spanish Grand Prix, I thought, ultimately. Yeah, all played out well. Um, led to Max's fortieth win in Formula One. I don't know. I don't know if I feel like surprised or disappointed by that number. Like, yes, it's a high number, but for some reason, it feels like he should already have more. I don't know. I guess what my, my sort of point most, with that most is of those have come got, in the last couple of years, haven't? They? Yeah, like when we've got twenty-something race seasons, forty doesn't seem as big of a number as it feels. If that makes sense, like. I mean, it could, in the course of a season, it could like triple that total in reality. So it, yeah. it, it's weird. Like it's yeah, a huge add, number, but it doesn't feel it anymore. Yeah. Over the course of a season, it could add 33% to yeah. that. Yeah. Another 33%. But I suppose I when, when you consider the cars that he's been in, what the Red Bull have had before now and spanning back to what, 2016 here at Spain as well as his first win. Yeah. So like... Yeah. When, I suppose when you spread it out over that distance, it makes a lot more sense. But yeah, it's um, it's a it's yeah. A mighty but then you total. look at you. I mean, the only the only reason he won that one was because the two Mercedes crashed into each other, if you remember. But <laughs> very true. Having you know, having said and Mercedes, I think that twenty sixteen season, Mercedes only lost one race. I think that might have been the one probably race that, that they one. Lost, yeah, maybe. Um, I think I don't. You know, again, I don't have the record book open in front of me right now, but off, off the top I of my head, like I think that maybe it was a, that Ferrari was a, nicked one that season, yeah. maybe, but but it was a particularly Mercedes dominant season, yeah. wasn't it? The 2016 because that was the Rosberg one, and they were just both neck and neck throughout the whole Another year, level, pretty much yeah. hammer and tong all year, yeah. And it was great; it was a good season. Yeah. Um, for that reason, you know, regardless of what you think of Mercedes, you do want to see two drivers competing with each other, and that's what. You know that's what it gave us, and that's I, I'm I'm fine with that. Um, yeah, it's mad you're saying about how quickly, like with these days, they can rack up these records. Like Sonoda has had 50 starts now, 
Like wow. that, not that many years ago, 50 starts was like a real milestone for an F1 driver. Yeah, and Snowder like, feels like such a newbie to the grid still. It's like yeah. four, maybe even five seasons once upon a time. 50 yeah. Stars. It's so, ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. It's that crazy. Is hectic, that. Yeah. Goodness. I mean, just adds to Max's dominance this year. You've already alluded to it, Stu, that he's kind of just on another level. Five wins from the seven races we've had so far hasn't finished a race lower than second so 53 points over Perez is it is it going to slowly start slipping away from Sergio from Checo if he doesn't get his act together it is yeah he's had a if it hasn't already these last two race weekends have really changed the uh complexion of this season haven't they it's been such a poor couple of races for him mm. yeah did you see um the Nico Rosberg Christian Horner interview Yes, I did. I, did. I, I know what you're did referring you, to there. Yeah, so so Christian really, really took a dislike to the question um, that Nico asked him. No. And he, he was asking him um, if, uh, basically asked him if Sergio wasn't performing. And he turned around and was like, oh, well, you like to, uh, you like to, you know, analyze the drivers now you're not driving, don't you? You like to, you like to <laughs> have a little dig at the drivers now you're not driving. Um, and then he, he somehow deflected the question to be about George Russell leaving the track at turn through turn two. Did he? Um, and apparently, apparently, getting oh, uh, yeah, so he did mention he? that. Yeah, he did mention yeah. that. Yeah, he, he mentioned he, he sort of deflected it into that. And it was like, mm, well, Perez is underperforming, though, isn't he? <laughs> the second presenter comes in and they're like, yeah, but is he? <laughs> and he's such a what do you guys think? Do you think he's underperforming, mm. or do you think? I think I think he's had a bad couple of races, but that's that. I guess that's the difference of caliber between a good, maybe even a great driver and a champion. Like Lewis and Max have terrible quality sessions, and somehow, I mean, yes, fair enough. Both when they've done this have had top of the field cars but they've still fought their way through the pack to get back to maybe not always the podium, but there or thereabouts and keep the fight alive. Sergio, fair enough. Monaco is not an easy place to do that, but with Verstappen having, what was it? 23 seconds gap or something like that. Sergio Perez should in theory be able to close down and at least get on the podium, if not be behind his teammate in reality. Yeah. I think, like a circuit like that. Like if if Verstappen had started eleventh in that race, you'd probably expect him to still have won it. Like probably, probably, especially when most of the grid demonstrated that overtaking was very much possible. Yeah, it like mm. like Red Bull tried to say that fourth was better than their models estimated Perez could finish, but yeah, they had him down for fifth, didn't they? Yeah, I don't know. It's like in, in to be fair, the, the race itself, I thought Perez did a a perfectly fine job, but these last two big qualifying mistakes have been just it undoes it. I mean, the yeah, Monaco like, one was inexcusable. Like you yeah. just don't do that in Q one in we Monaco. Just, and just a, a, the whole Monaco weekend, he just a complete shocker, just like he did he's in Australia. Head well. gone, yeah. And this this weekend as well, it was just uh, just a silly mistake pushing. Maybe a bit too hard at a point you didn't necessarily need to. Um, 
Yeah, but yeah. that was the area that a lot of the drivers were getting caught out, though. Was that, it's that true. Was the, that was the patch where he'd gone over. The, I think a lot of them were going through it without even realizing they'd gone through it and maybe mm-hmm. losing a little bit of grip. But it, it was one of those situations where if you get it just at the wrong time, you get a little bit unlucky. I do think that that kind of ruined Perez's race weekend a little bit. I think he did get... I, I'd say he got a little bit lucky, unlucky. I wouldn't say he's necessarily badly underperforming. I I think he ought to be matching his teammate. I think that's the minimum, isn't it, for any Formula 1 driver is to at least match your teammate. And he's not doing that. So on that basis, I suppose you would say he's underperforming. But I I, I don't think he's had the best look so far this season either. I think Chris's words probably sum it up, though, to be fair, where he said the race performance was perfectly fine. Perfectly fine doesn't win championships. Perfectly fine brings home points, contributes towards a Constructors' Championship if you've got a star in the other car, but perfectly fine will not win a world championship, not a driver's championship. A star, in a, a, star in a reasonably priced car. <laughs> yeah, um, pretty much. <laughs> I think, and I also think, Chris, you nailed it when you said, you took the words out of my mouth when you were talking about him, you know, if the roles were reversed, then I think it'd be, it's a different, yeah, it's a different situation. I think, yeah, you're not, with Perez, you, you kind of think, you you you're never sure if he how well he's gonna how far up that order mm. he's gonna get or or whether he's gonna get on the podium. And I think especially now, sort of some teams have brought upgrades and 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 the field's tightening up a little bit. Whereas if Verstappen's in that situation, he's just elbows out, getting ahead, no matter mm. what he wants. He wants that race win. Um, mm. And I, I don't think Perez doesn't want the race win. I just I just think that Perez maybe isn't isn't as well equipped to achieve the race win. I think that's what it is in that situation. Yeah. And like it, it was the same in the Hamilton and Bottas years. Like if you have Hamilton starting in the bottom half of the grid, you kind of expected him to find his way to the front. Whereas Bottas, he'd maybe get his way back to the podium, but you never really expected him to have that extra bit that takes them there. And there's just certain drivers have got that and other drivers haven't. Yeah. I'd say so. Nice. Um, I'm going to move us on to Mercedes because they were essentially the number two team this weekend, I would say, overall. I mean, there yeah. may have been times where they didn't quite look it, but overall, the outcome of this weekend, I would say they were the second best team there, uh, both from a driver point of view and from a, a car point of view. Um, yeah. Well, I think overall driver lineup. I think you'd probably put Mercedes on. You know, if you if you if you're assessing purely driver lineup, I think this weekend they probably had the best overall driver lineup on balance. Yeah. Um, obviously, Red Bull getting the win with one of their drivers is a, is a, is a huge achievement. But their second driver isn't doing enough to 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 ma- I guess that. Well, I mean, look at the result. You know, the result yeah. was yeah their two drivers in between the win and, and fourth place. Yeah. I um, think Perez. So I think the last thing for him to sort of work on is probably that one lap pace because it seemed that both of them struggled more on those light fuel loads, really pushing the car. I know George was saying a lot about, you know, taking the weight out. He was finding that there was a lot of bouncing in the high-speed corners, whereas in other sessions he'd not found it. So he was struggling a bit more in quality. Um and just yeah. saying that you know small changes were making a a big difference in the car. Which it, this look, I mean, it's a completely revamped car over the last two races. So 
it's probably going to take a little bit of time to find what changes work and what effect they have. So I can't really blame either of them with the quality performance, but they did look yeah. good aside from that, I think. They're still looking for the, they're definitely still looking for the sweet spot. But if yeah. if you know if this is if this is the net result and they're still looking for the sweet spot, then that's that's a very, very good result for them. Exactly. Um, I think they were heavily compromise compromised in um Q two with the with the collision that they had yeah. with well, each other. So, that was okay. bizarre. So he, here's my Tom Foolery make... moment. This is the moment I was referring <laughs> to with Tom Foolery. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, well, well I mean with this it was kind of it was a miss. It was a huge miss. It was clearly a huge. Well, it wasn't clearly a huge miscommunication. It looked quite sort of. It looked a bit weird at the time. But it turns out that um, uh, Russell had been compromised by a few. He'd kind of like been worked out of position just through having to make way for faster cars yep. and people that were on laps. So before he knew it, he had Hamilton on him who was starting his lap as well because Russell had had to abort a lap. So there was supposed to be sort of a step between them. Russell was supposed to be finishing his lap as Hamilton caught up, but it because Russell had to abort a lap, he ended up being about to start a lap as Hamilton caught up. Hamilton didn't realise that. Um, Russell didn't realise Hamilton was catching him up and Russell's looking at uh, uh, science ahead of him to try and get a bit of a toe and to get a good start on his lap. So he doesn't even know Hamilton's there because he's not looking behind him and no one's told him that Hamilton's coming up behind him. Yeah. And um, yeah, that led to the sort of really, really hairy moment. I mean, it could have been a really hairy moment, but luckily, um, it, it, it for, luckily for Mercedes and for, for Hamilton and for Russell, it worked out okay. But yeah, it was a very, very, very sketchy moment. And I think that obviously that compromises... Russell's um Russell's lap clearly and that's where that's why he ended up where he was on the grid and I think the same Uh for Hamilton I think when when you have an incident like that and you're not able to get that extra lap and get the maximum out of the car that doesn't set you up very well for the final run in in Q3 because you've you've lost a lap almost so well you almost you have you've lost a lap haven't you so yeah, I think if Hamilton had not had that incident and if, if that whole thing didn't shake out the way it was, I think they probably would have been a little bit, at least a little bit further up the grid, especially how tight that grid was in qualifying. Yeah, I think that's a key point for them, isn't it? It's a, a That's the game changer, really, isn't it? Is a little bit of miscommunication between the team, I think, where the drivers aren't aware of each other's situations when they're coming across each other. I mean, like you say, Russell didn't even really know Lewis was there. It it got it was it it was definitely one of the Ferraris, wasn't it? Did you say it was science? I can't remember it who science. it was. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of like sort of trundling down the outside yeah. and it was almost he like was just finishing a lap. He was just finishing a lap science and like slowing down and moving out of the way. So Russell's making sure he's well clear of him. And obviously science is having to stay out of the way of the the pit exit as well in case anyone's coming out on t- like there's a whole scenario playing out there. And like you say, the yeah. last thing Russell's doing, unfortunately, in that moment is checking that outside mirror because he's looking at what's going on over the right front of his car. Um, it's pretty silly. And, yeah. And and for the team, like, I mean, it all happens pretty fast, to be fair, because George, like you said, had to back out of, a, you know, starting his lap that he was about to start to, um, to allow signs through to finish that lap in the first place, coming through the last couple of corners. 
um george had to back out to get out of the way of science um yeah. in the first place which is kind of what led hamilton to catch him up to begin with and exactly. it's all happened really quickly and the team haven't had the opportunity i guess to to say you know lewis is behind you or one lewis that george is actually about to start a hot lap as well and just that's i mean another, it's another thing with this like new layout like for the drivers going through the final corner without braking your run up to a qualifying lap kind of starts two corners before it ends yeah, so it yeah back at turn 12 yeah 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 so it, there's that much more pressure on the teams to inform their drivers of who's around and who's coming to find a gap properly which obviously we saw another driver who got caught out by that twice <laughs> but yeah. we'll get to him <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's had no luck as we have seen um so what we're still on mercedes obviously they've bought upgrades they've worked looks that way probably still too early to say they're like definitively second fastest i think um it seemed to be it was like cooler than i think most people expected definitely cooler than yeah spain tends to be it's a very tire wear heavy track like that does kind of play to their strengths anyway so especially against ferrari it's definitely prem yeah well yeah and ferrari opposite of the scale mercedes have been good in Barcelona in recent years as well. Yeah, it's always yeah. been a good track yeah. for them. It's been a good track for them, yeah. So yeah, definitely too early to say they've leapfrogged Aston Martin. I mean, in terms of points they have, they've gone second in the constructors now. Um, yeah. But and we'll refer you back to our conversation about one of their drivers last week <laughs> if you're interested in why that might be. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's looking good for them. They've, yeah. they've done a heck of a job to turn what was a pretty ropey looking car into at least this weekend a different fastest. car <laughs> yeah. almost a whole different car yeah, yeah. Turn, turn one car into another car yeah. that's what they've done with the Basically. same chassis still um I, no i i think it's it is promising i think that and at the rate that they can we know that they can develop you know effectively over the course of the season within the budget cap so because we've seen it happen we saw it happen last year and that was with a concept that didn't really ever properly work if we're completely honest yeah yeah so now they seem to have sort of moved into the more popular concept and um got a car that's as they put it a a, a new baseline and this baseline if this is the baseline and it it puts the p2 then that's a pretty good baseline so there's there's definitely potential for that team to really develop it and make it into something make maybe even make it into a race winner and pick up the scraps Possibly, you know, if they're good in Canada, then I think they'll be good all season. Um, yeah. That's what I'd say about this. I suppose the question there is how much of their budget have they spent on getting yeah. to this new baseline, yeah, and exactly. how much have they got left to. Uh... It doesn't matter, does it? You could just keep spending and just pay a bit of a fine to. Uh, to <laughs> well, the season, so just, you know, as long as you spend it on food and catering, Stu. <laughs> yeah, yeah, develop yeah, a new yeah, floor just... and call it catering. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's move to Ferrari. So, like. An abysmal weekend for Leclerc. Um, just didn't seem to have the pace. So an that was, unprecedented starting position for him. Um, something I, was fundamentally wrong with that car or the way he was driving. Like something. Yeah. They they sort of said they hadn't worked it out yet, but yeah, yeah there was something very strange going on. They brought some updates this weekend and it looks like they potentially may have 
had the opposite effect. Yeah, to well, I mean, they were hoping for. Yeah, when you look where his teammate was overall, um, I mean, yes, albeit he couldn't, he couldn't hold off the Mercs, but he put it on second on the, he put it second on the grid in quali. Yeah, and and held off everybody else and finished fourth. So there was only the Mercs and the one Red Bull. That, oh no, sorry, was he fourth? Was he fifth? I've completely. He was fifth. Sorry, he was Paris fifth in the end, wasn't he? Well. I apologise. Yeah. Perez got past him as well. Um, so, yeah, so the, the Red Bulls and the Mercs were the, the, the two to get beyond him, which we kind of touched on a minute ago with the tyre wear here at Spain, Catalonia, and the fact that Ferrari do not do well at high deck circuits. Yeah. So somewhat yeah. expected in that regard when the Mercs always do well on the tyres and the Red Bull seems to this season. Um, so... You know, a fairly expected weekend for Carlos, but just an abysmal one from the other side of the garage. Um, do we think there's some upgrades that are purely with Leclerc at this point? And that's where the problem lies? As far as I've seen, they brought the same thing to both cars, I think, because they've, they've kind of abandoned the um, the bathtub side pods, haven't they? They've gone for a more kind of flat-topped yeah. side pod. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just... That just car just isn't working for those drivers. I mean, obviously, yeah, in qualifying, Sainz had the pace of the front row. It's a bit of a cliche, but I feel like if that circuit was in any other country, Sainz <laughs> probably wouldn't have been on the front row. Yeah. But um, it was a hell of a qualifying lap he put in to do that. It's the extra yeah, few tenths that even, home crowd give you, isn't it? I think even starting on the front row for Sainz, like he never really ever... At no point in that race did he even look like a threat for a podium to me. Yeah. Even yeah. even at the very start, I think he got, you know, he he kind of got muscled out by Verstappen in the first place, and I guess into turn one through turns one and two. And I think there's other drivers on that grid who wouldn't have given up that place so easily. They would have taken the fight to him. But science, maybe science mm-hmm. is just thinking, you know what? I know this car is not going to win this race, so there's no point in me wasting my tires racing him. When I Do you know just, what? What I'm doing is I'm salvaging what I can because we know we've got high degradation. We know we're going to move backwards in this race. The second I saw that signs were starting on the softs, to me that said, we know we have no chance here. Let's stick on the softs and have a shot at a bit of a glory run and lead a few laps at the start. Like that's all mm. that said to me. Like Wow, yeah. And, he, and he, to be fair, he nearly did. Like, he got alongside to turn one, he nearly pulled it off, but going around the outside of Verstappen into turn one is never going to work. Yeah. Well, I mean, it did. it did. It was turn two where Verstappen managed to shut the door on him. That's, that's yeah. kind of what happened. Verstappen got better traction on the exit of one, and, and you know, and, and, and he did close the door on him. But he was well within his rights to do that because he was ahead. So he, he, I, can, yeah. I guess science always had to back out of it, but there was room. There was still room on the inside for him to get up on the curbs and, and sort of keep that fight going for a little bit. I think I do think he backed out of it a little bit early, but like you, like we say, it's, it's not really the race he's having on, no, not on at all. this weekend. Yeah. So there is very little point in wrecking your tyres in the first four or five corners of a race. Yeah. It's it's one of those moments of picking your battles, isn't it? Like, yeah, it would have been nice for him to to get out there and lead some laps in front of his home crowd, but that's not ultimately the race he's in at the moment, especially with, like you say, with the degradation. And I think the only hope they would ha- would have had is like kind of what Chris is saying of use the softs to kind of leapfrog and somehow hope that like an alternate strategy kind of 
plays out for them with clean air or something like that. I think that's kind of the best that they were hoping for. Um, mm. But yeah, yeah I mean, it's... he did soft, medium, hard, which was not many others did that to any, like everyone ahead of him did a completely different strategy. Yeah. Um, it just feels a bit like, well, I will throw these tires on next to what happens. Yeah. Throw the spaghetti at the wall and see if it sticks. Yeah, exactly. Way. Yep. Um, moving a little bit further down the grid, which feels weird for this team so far this season, to Aston Martin, um, officially now their worst finish of the season, which it seems weird because there'd be a time not long ago where this would have still been quite a strong finish for them to be brutal. Yeah. Um, How times change. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, Alonso not had the best weekend compared to recent times. Um, picked up floor damage in Q1. Um, he had a little bit of an excursion on the final corner, didn't he? Was that, do we know if that's where the the main damage I think occurred? it was, yeah. It's kind of off it in the gravel a big old off bit. that. He did, he did yeah. well to uh up backwards in the wall. I feel we've seen him somehow survive that exact same off before. In, in the McLaren, times. I think, yeah. Yeah, I feel like we've seen that before. That, that feels familiar. I'm sure the, the Twitterverse or somewhere else on the internet will correct us if I'm not. <laughs> but yeah, it, like it, too much damage to the car meant it didn't really have the pace. Um, eighth on the grid overall. Um, Stroll, after recent criticism from us, decided to try and <laughs> maybe prove a point. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> listening. Um so yeah, finished sixth overall. Um, out qualified Alonso as well. Decent weekend for in Lance. A broken car. <laughs> yeah, also had a broken was, car. Also had a broken car. But it was Alonso better. Like oh, sorry, he's, yeah, he's, a lot. Sorry, I thought you were saying stroll. Also yeah, had a broken yeah. car. You saying Alonso? No, had a broken um, car. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Which is maybe the only reason he was being him. far more disparaging than you were giving him credit. <laughs> for. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, strolls had to. Uh, pointless finishes in a row so you know back in sixth is it was it was it was decent enough from him like there was some all right with wheel to wheel stuff um his pace was a lot closer to a lot i mean alonso could definitely have passed him in the closing stages if he wanted to but he sort of just chose not to could have easily mm. passed him their I relationship so. is so strange yeah he could have he could have mopped up he could have hung him, hung him out to dry but yeah like alonso basically said like Neither of us were catching the cars ahead. Yeah. We're, we're, you know, neither of them are in a particular driver's championship fight. They're there to get points for the team. Exactly. Than being anywhere in your mouth, which, you know, I, I guess that makes sense. He's Well, I think Alonso's got the confidence to sacrifice a couple of points. Exactly. Yeah, and because, you know, he's going to muller him all season anyway. There's also possibly just an element of a long game, like keep Lance happy, keep the team happy. Like when... Yeah when the tough decision needs to be made in Alonso's favour for something at some point, all these brownie points that he's built he's up over. Forward, exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I, he's, he's a wily guy, Fernando. He's, um, he doesn't do anything for nothing, let's put it that way. That so, is for sure. Yeah. Uh, moving a bit further down um, to Fernando's old team in Alpine. Um, upgrades that seem to be working for them this weekend. What do you think? They look good. Their last couple of weekends, they've started again. Like it was a bit after Monaco. Like, do they just have a car that works well here? But like, 
they're moving the right direction. They're they're doing the business with the upgrades there. Yeah. Um, yeah, Gasly was a bit unfortunate to get the sixth place grid yeah. blocking. What who's it? Block block Verstappen and I think Norris. I want to say or uh, what? Maybe what, yeah. it was. There was definitely Verstappen. Did you hear the Alonso radio message? Basically, <laughs> yeah. During the stewarding, so during during the session, Stu shaking his head. So I'll explain for Stu and the benefit of anyone else who hasn't heard it. Um, Alonso was behind. Gasly and Verstappen was coming through and basically he saw Gasly hold Verstappen up and was straight on the radio saying, um, oh, the Alpine there just definitely blocked the uh, Verstappen car. I would say that's probably at least a three-place grid, uh, three place grid drop for tomorrow. <laughs> Such <laughs> <And> a snitch. <laughs> but dishing yeah, out the penalty like... as well, that was a funny bit. Yeah, like, seriously. It was basically yeah, yeah. just being a steward for the for the day. <laughs> There was some weird radio. There was another radio message where Verstappen like recognized Helmut Marco's ringtone. Yeah. <laughs> Strange. Like so weird. This is what happens when you go to a circuit that you all know like the back of your hand. You just you just on rails yeah. and notice weird yeah. stuff. That's what it is. Either that or he spends a lot of time with Daddy Helmut. All that. <laughs> yeah. Could well be that. Um, um, it was a shame for Gasly. Like Gasly fourth in qualifying was so good yeah. until he wasn't. Because he, yeah. To, to be to be fair, like he, he the the two blocking incidents were bad, and I think them getting penalised was the right thing. But I also don't think either were particularly Gasly's fault. I think it was the team not giving him the info he needed. So, yeah. well, they have accepted joint responsibility yeah and like they didn't give Gasly any points on his license which I feel like in seasons have gone by they probably would have done because they just dished out points like they were going out of fashion specifically so, to Gasly as well yeah mostly to Gasly so I think probably it's a shame for him but probably the right choice in terms of penalties yeah um, yeah but another yeah, like weird they, radio another weird radio was the uh, Russell um, sweating onto his visor, thinking yeah. it's raining, wasn't it? Was, yeah, where's, I, where's I, we just saying if we're talking radio? I can understand that. I can understand that, though. I think, like, that's a... Because he, apparently his hair was... He'd not put his hair back through his uh, balaclava all the way. <laughs> so his hair, he had one, like, strand of hair dangling down <laughs> in front of his face. And when he started sweating <laughs> onto that, then he'd pull his brakes. Obviously, everything flies forward, including the sweat off your forehead which is i think actually a really inter- interesting illustration of just how much g-force these cars generate under braking they're doing like 5g yeah when they're pulling the brakes so the, the, rain, one probably, the sweat yeah. is literally coming off your forehead and splatting against the visor in front of your eyes <laughs> um yeah i did enjoy really those messages though it's like awkward. like tennis raining and his engineer was like okay things like is anyone else reporting the rain like no it's just you mate I'm not quite sure what's going on it <laughs> yeah. yeah but i think like it showed because russell's been quite quite sort of written you know he's had a few in recent races he's definitely sort of you're hearing a lot more kind of punchy radio from him and he's a very mm-hmm. very switched on driver and you, you know people are saying oh it's a bit embarrassing that 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 he made this yeah. error, but actually, it just—I think it just shows how switched on he is, and how he's ready to pounce at any opportunity that yeah. comes forward. He's—he's he's thinking about the wider situation. He's not just thinking about you know, breaking point, apex, exit, yeah. corner exit, and all that kind of stuff. He's—he's he's, you know, he's got a lot more going on up there, and he's able to 
strategize from inside the car in his second year at Mercedes, which is yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's good. Yeah, um, I'm going to move us to Alpha because I want to talk a little bit about Zhou Guan Yu because very solid drive from him from a car that's really good, not been up to much this year really, um, and. Yeah, as like a good solid points finish for him. Yeah, pretty solid points finish. I think he he bottled it a little bit in the in the fight with Sonoda, and Sonoda need, got a needless penalty for that. Um, oh, yeah. interesting. Is I find this one a weird one. Like, I feel that it was a bit of a soft penalty, but it's one of those things it was a that harsh was penalty for. Yeah, for Sonoda, um, because it was a bit of a back out, but there was there was definitely some pre-establishment of rules of engagement really into that corner, which Sonoda, by all accounts, from what I've seen, didn't adhere to. So it's one of those things where if, if something's been set in the briefing to a certain standard and you don't adhere to it, but... I think the penalty was a little bit harsh, but yeah. I think when you look at um, well, you look at the way Russell went off, no one got a penalty for for that, and I think that's a similar. He had a similar amount of room to what um, to what Russell had, and I think the same for. I mean, science science stuck with it into turn through turn one into turn two, and yeah. again, there was probably a similar amount of space there. So all they argued that. Um, Joe was was marginally ahead, but I don't think he was any more ahead than what um what than what Russell was in term in at the start of the race. So, and so Russell my, didn't get my, a penalty for that. And I don't my think initial reaction for that either. My initial reaction was that it was really harsh to give him a penalty. The more mm. I've watched it, like Joe was marginally ahead as they were going through, and Sonoda definitely opens up the steering mid corner. Like if 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 Joe hadn't backed out of it, I think they would have made contact. So the more I watch it, the more I can see yeah. the logic of the penalty. And again, it's it's the, it's the whole rules of engagement thing. It's like, should you be able to claim that you've won a corner just by, you know, slinging your car into a gap and saying, oh, well, I've got ahead. But I think the, I think the difference is, the the line that Joe took in, he would have made the corner had yeah. Sonoda not been alongside him, opening up his steering. So it's borderline, but I can I can see the rationale for that being a penalty. Yeah, I think when you look at like the situations of Carlos at the race start, um, there was one where one of the Alpines was coming out of the pits. Was it Ocon? And then. Hulkenberg was sort of round the outside of him and had to kind of back out of it again a little bit. To be fair, that was a good little battle which involved these two as well, wasn't it? Because yeah. Joe and Sonoda were behind all of that, sort of then inadvertently <laughs> battling with Hulkenberg because they've been held up a little bit by Ocon coming out. And I think that like all those different scenarios sort of played out maybe the way this one should have. And I'm kind of with Chris that there was just that little bit of a that little bit of the extra move, maybe is what led to the penalty like i i think the fia were bored 
I think they wanted to make make it known to the world that the FIA exists. I think it was one of those because they'd, they'd been fairly incident free up until that point, and it's you know that the, 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 the FIA hadn't had any impact on the race, and I think they thought, oh, it's, here's an opportunity for us to to say hello to the world. I think it the, is the difference is though when you look at like Sonoda against. Um, was it? I'm trying to think who overtook him. One of the Alpines overtook Sonoda in a very similar way to what Joe uh, Guan Yu was trying to do, and it played out because he he left that room, and there was it was almost like a, a I don't want that to happen again. So he tried to close the door a bit. Is how I sort of look at it. Like when I think I think what you've got to kind of do is put all those similar incidents like side by side on quick follow-up and you can sort of see the difference that I, that I sort of agree with Chris yeah. on I think when you sort of go back it's, to back to back with them all yeah it's funny I'm, I'm watching the replays of it now and from Joe's on board it's like he gets ahead then you suddenly see what looks like a front wing driving at his like uh, front right wheel but then you see the head on and there's like they're a good foot apart and Joe is just suddenly like oh, I'm going to turn left now yeah. and just missed the corner completely the yeah. like he's, he's gone way he's backed out of it way way early for me I think yeah he did bail out very easily yeah yeah I think I agree with that bit that 100% with yeah I no, I agree with you there like it was, I don't think it was quite fair the way he was being pushed off, but he bailed way too quick, I would all, I would also say. It it almost felt like he went into the overtake with bailing out of it already in his mind. Yeah, like, like and, exactly. and, and to be fair then, then I sort of, I see Stu's point of, well, you know, like, is it really worth a penalty? Because he's chosen to bail out way sooner than he should have, like. And yeah. if you believe he was, he was very in the right, line. he should have maybe stick, stuck in it a bit more. So I'd, I, I saw, I'd see both sides of it, but I see why it went the way it did as well. It's hard because I think Joe and Sonoda both had really good drivers and I think they both deserve points for it. So it's a shame that Sonoda ended up getting dropped out of the points because of that penalty. Yeah, true. Yeah. Very true. Um, also, just while we're on turn one incidents, um, there was a lot of like, I mentioned earlier in, in the episode about um, Christian Horner talking about uh, Russell bailing out in, in through turn two. Um, there was absolutely nothing wrong with the way that all worked out. He rejoined in the same position that he was yeah. in when he bailed out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Christian was trying to paint it like he'd gained five places <laughs> from, <laughs> from that one bailout. And actually, that's not what happened at all. He, I think he gained three places just off the line. Then he gained um, another place through turn one. Then he bailed as he was sort of just behind. He was kind of he was just ahead of Piastri. Um, had to bail. Took the right, you know, did the agreed method of rejoining yeah. the, the track in the same position that he was when he bailed. So he's now ahead of Piastri and behind. I think it was Hulkenberg. Uh, it was one of the one of the houses. Yeah. And then he followed that car around for a little bit. Um, managed to get around the the Haas and then the McLaren ahead of Norris pitted. Yeah. Cause he so was, was, it must it have been damaged, two cars he got it? off the line. Yeah. Quick he got, um, and yeah. And then that's how he made up five places on the first lap. And then he was battling Alonso for a while. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, I watched his, I watched this whole sort of first three or four laps on his onboard and actually really compelling. It's a really, really good watch. Mm. If you've got F1 TV, it's worth nice. going finding. Yeah. It does. It is a very that kind of escape road 
the way you rejoin if you miss the corner is actually really well designed, like mm. all through F2 and F3 as well. Yeah. Anytime somebody took it, like it's never going to be perfect, but I never saw anybody take the escape road and be either massively advantaged or disadvantaged by yeah. doing it. It all kind yeah. of then always shook out pretty close to where they should be. Like it's, yeah, yeah. it did exactly yeah, well, what it needed to do. Well designed solution. Yeah. yeah, very good. It's I, been I good. agree with that. I, I, it, that did occur to me while I was watching it as well. So, yeah. yeah, I think that what we've had it like two or three seasons now that it's been like that, and mm. I've never really had a problem with it since it came in. So it, it, just, was, it works. It just works well. There was one, I can't remember who it was in F2, um, missed the corner, and he basically rejoined the track, then clearly remembered he was supposed to go around the bollard mm. and drove back off the track into the escape around. road, around the bollard, and then back on a second time. And I was like, is he going to get away with that? But I actually <laughs> think he did. I think fair, I think that's that's a, as, a fair show of leniency. As long as you do it yeah. safely, right? Like that's yeah, the yeah. main thing. Yeah. How many penalty points did he get? <laughs> yeah, that's the question. Oh, he's banned next race. <laughs> um, you briefly touched on McLaren during when we were talking about the start there. Um, I mean, stellar qualifying for for everyone. Yeah, um, involved. They look great in quality. Yeah. Um, Norris third. And then it all just came undone, didn't it? Through those corners we've just been talking about. It took a little bit of a whack from, I want to say it was contact with Lewis, but I might be wrong there. Yeah, it was. He went, it was into, Lewis. The, he went into the back of Lewis. Yeah. So yeah. what happened was Hamilton was Hamilton had to back out a little bit because the two ahead of him were fighting. Yeah. Um, and I think both, I think actually science had, both of them had sort of gone off the racing line and kind of had to lift a little bit and he's yeah. is obviously behind that and like oh how much are they going to lift so that car yeah. behind is always going to lift that little bit more and then it's just a concertina effect going back all the way through the field yeah. um and that's what led to it it was just a it was a racing incident it was just unfortunate yeah it was, it was no one's fault, i don't think this might be unpopular but i feel like Norris could have been more cautious there. I think he was maybe sticking his nose alongside Hamilton. There's a little more than he maybe should have on turn two of a yeah. Very long when Grand Prix. when you when you look at it, it's there's a little bit of a holding that inside line and and trying to get out of turn two up the inside without any regard for like what might be going on around Lewis and the other cars, like. There is a little bit of, I call it like eagerness to just get on the throttle and get out of turn two that is kind yeah. of what throws him up into the back of Lewis more than anything. Um, yeah, I but, think it, it probably was pushing a bit hard, but I think if you're not pushing that hard at the start of a race, then yeah. you, you're potentially giving up position. So exactly. I don't know. I, 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 I don't this is why, this is why it's a racing incident though, isn't it? Like it is one of those things where, yeah, it's, it's unfortunately played out a little bit clumsily he, he knows what he's done like everybody it like it's, it's just a shame that after taking the pit stop to change the nose and swap to the hards they never got back in the race after such a good qualifying the, the, the grim thing for mclaren fans is that norris said afterwards that even if he had have carried on without a broken front wing he still doesn't think they'd have been able to get any points which is Pretty miserable yeah. for McLaren. Um, I mean, it's wild that a car can qualify P3 and not have the pace for... But at, at the same time, I think, like, it's easy to forget while McLaren are 
struggling so much, just how good Lando Norris is. Like in the few yeah. years when McLaren sort of had the fourth, fifth fastest car, some of the stuff Norris did with that car was so impressive, especially in qualifying. Yeah. And this was kind of like a little glimpse of a likely reminder of like, hey, this kid is still phenomenally quick. But Yeah, he's got the goods, hasn't he? But let's not yeah. forget, qualifying was compromise qualifying was a weird session it wasn't that it was, was. yeah true qualifying. but as I much think... as it looked like it like on camera i think you, you couldn't really tell where the wet patches were even like i watched the wet race for the um for the f2 and i think it was the sprint race that was wet. Yeah. i don't know if the, i didn't see the feature race but um that was uh, when i tuned in i didn't even realize the track was wet it looked yeah. like a dry track and yeah, then they weird. get going and obviously all the spray happens is like obviously it's wet. But up until that point, like it looked on camera like a dry track. So you can see how the drivers would would if it looks like that on camera, then what's it like <laughs> to the drivers, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, weird session quality. I don't think yeah. it's quite the uh the I I think it flattered certain teams, um, the track conditions yeah. in that in that qualifying session very much. I definitely agree with that. All this being said, we need to pick a driver of the day. So who out of that lot are you two going to go for? So I was I was coming into this thinking I was going to push for Joe, but the conversation we've had about that incident, I feel like I've kind of talked myself out of it. I, I, I still think it was a really good drive, but that, as much as I maybe lean slightly more towards it should have been a penalty. I still think, I don't love the way he approached that overtake and the way it played out. I think he was going into that move knowing that he could frame it in a certain (laughs) way. Especially the way he straight away was like, protesting on the radio off. i know yeah, they yeah. all do it but it's i don't know it's, it's yeah, it, it felt was, a little bit premeditated didn't it, was it? egregious wasn't yeah. it, it was, it was <laughs> egregious it, it's, it's a smudge um, on an otherwise good drive basically isn't it yes i still think it was a really really good drive from him good yeah. drive overall but yeah a, 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 a tarred with a, an ugly bit of gamesmanship yeah <laughs> um i mean verstappen was just untouchable but having said that, he did get a black and white flag for for track <laughs> the limits, limits, and he was just leading the race, which to me is just lazy. Like, why is he driving like that? Why does he need to do that? <laughs> like, and then still go on to get fastest lap anyway, which was yeah ridiculous. Yeah. And also, he was he won it at a canter. He he wasn't oh really, yeah really pushing that car. I mean, I the gap a, was. 24 seconds i think it could easily have been yeah. 34 seconds yeah well i think hamilton backed off as well it would have been if hamilton had not backed off towards the end it would have been about yeah true seconds so it's not over, over the course of 66 laps that's not actually a humongous gap but still it's yeah i mean i can't really give i can't i don't think i can give verstappen drive i can't i don't think you can get a black and white flag <laughs> and get driver of the day i think that's just That'd be crazy. Other than that, though, again, amazing drive, like amazing car. He's got the perfect driver for that car, and yeah, he's he's, he's absolutely doing the business. So well done to Verstappen. But um, in terms of driver of the day, see now you're gonna um, find somebody is, is, else. Is it is it, <laughs> is it crass to say Hamilton? I'm kind of thinking it might be Hamilton as well. I think that was a a really solid drive from him. Like when he started fifth, did he start fourth? He started. Um, it Got was just a takes done on track. It was just a solid drive, wasn't it? Like, 
it was there was nothing super spectacular. It was just a very solid drive. I think he got the most out of that car. Um, again, Perez, you'd have expected more from the Aston. Yeah, kind of there or thereabouts. Yeah, Stroll was you know he, he was okay, but he lost positions, didn't he? Um, I can I go with Hamilton. I think it's Hamilton. I think it might be Hamilton. What do you think, Tom? I mean, I was originally going with Verstappen. I, I think even black and white flags aside, that's <laughs> it's just it's it's pushing the boundaries of trying to set the fastest lap. That's that's what it is. And he's just out there on his own. Also, picking the winner's boring. Let's the pick the thing is, didn't win. I don't I don't agree with you, Tom, because the, the, these are spread across the the entirety of the Grand Prix. These are not at times when he's pushing. These are just this is just. It doesn't. It wasn't. You know. It wasn't like he was pushing pushing for fastest laps when he got when he was getting these warnings. It was literally a, a multiple different corners across the circuit. And for me, it's just lapses in concentration. It feels like it doesn't feel like the kinds of mistakes that you make when you're really, really hitting it hard trying to get that fastest lap. Because this is like all separated by a wide. There's big yeah, yeah. gaps between these warnings that he's had. It's not like he was a particular phase in the race when he was trying to push to get that fastest lap. So I, I can't agree there. What really makes me laugh was all of the like hand-wringing about like, oh, no, don't go fastest lap. You've got these warnings. He could have gone off the track four more times and picked up a five-second penalty for each and still yeah. won the race. Like yeah. It wasn't nearly as dramatic as they were trying to make it out to be. That's true, but but the thing is, you don't want to win the race with a five second penalty hanging over you either, do you? Like it's, you don't. That's, that's unprofessional, I think. If you if you win a race and you've got for no reason, you've ended up with a five second penalty just through your own driving. I think that's a again, that's like a that's a blot against your name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just don't think it was as big a deal as they made it out to be. But yeah, fair enough. But I think for it's someone who strives for, perfe- for perfection the way Verstappen does, it seems it's strange to me that he yeah. allowed himself to, to to do this. Especially when like he doesn't need that extra point for fastest lap in the grand scheme of things, but he always wants to go for it because he wants to like maximize everything. Yeah, and then what if there's a safety car right at the end? That's true. That is true, and I guess that is what Red Bull. That, fearing, that's Red Bull's like, fears, that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that could drop you to like fifth or sixth probably yeah, yeah. other line totally that's 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 where that's where you don't want the penalty regardless of your gap is exactly you don't know what's going to yeah. happen in those scenarios hmm. anyway we're giving it to hamilton are we oh well yeah. i've heard so yeah we've got to <laughs> um move of the day there's quite a few for this and a good couple of them involve R- mr george russell um yeah russell had a couple of good ones as one on Ocon and one on signs um I've seen some people mentioning Alonso on Ocon, which was the one where he had to kind of dive into the pit exit and like clean yeah. the grass on the way through, which I feel like that one looked spectacular, but he was still ahead before they got to the braking zone. There, yeah. Whereas Russell's ones were proper like on the brakes into the corner, which I think I rated a little bit higher. Yeah, the one around the outside on science that he did into turn one was... Well, I think was it yeah. that one? Was that was that on the outside? I, I saw that one and enjoyed I enjoyed that one a lot. So I think I'm going to go for that one. Yeah, yeah. There was the um that battle that you mentioned earlier, Tom, as yeah, well. Yeah, that was like one of those was up there. Hulkenberg, Joe, Sonoda. I feel like there was a fourth car involved as well. That was, that was it. Was it was Ocon well, coming out of the pits in front of him? Basically, that was they, it. Yeah. They kind of instigated it all. Um, but yeah, that was something that was just overall good racing for for a candidate for that for me. I like I like the Russell one on signs though I think as well. 
Yeah, I'm happy for it to go there. Cool. George Let's is. Go. There we go. And then last one for this week. Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? Go. Nominations. So we already, we already mentioned we've mentioned a few of the weird radio messages we had. Okay, you got me go for any of them. I want to talk about the trophies. They were some of the worst trophies I've seen in a long time. I didn't they, see it. I tuned out already. <laughs> they were just it was just like a silver bowl. It looked it almost looked like a dog's water bowl. They were <laughs> they were really just a bit naff. And then the Stappen also got given a medal. Just yeah. out of nowhere, there was a medal as was well. Medal. Like, oh, they did that. They did that on the last race as well. This that this has suddenly become a thing. Like, apparently, I, I think they've been getting them for like over a year, but they've only just started presenting them on the podium. Has, maybe has Bernie snuck back in or something? Like, <laughs> it was yeah. This happened last week. Do you not remember this last week? In oh, I, th- I think I stopped watching after they finished the race last week. To be honest with you, okay. The same thing happened. They they they, Mohammed bin Sulyan came up with a medal and put it over Verstappen's head. So weird. Because I think the theory is that trophies often end up with the teams and yeah. the drivers have to get replicas okay. made. If they want to keep the trophy, they have to make a, get, have a replica made. So they want like a, an authentic thing that the driver can keep that is specific to the thing. But I just think it's another thing they can stick now, a corporate logo on isn't it That's yeah it is it like. yeah it's it's like lewis hamilton's got a warehouse somewhere full of those little pirelli tires for all his pole positions <laughs> yeah, like yeah. the drivers don't want trinkets like that yeah <laughs> but yeah they were they were particularly bad trophies especially coming off the back of monaco which is like one of the coolest trophies i'm trying to remember the what one? the trophies normally like in catalonia I there was the time when there used to be like a steering wheel with like a, a silver bowl to the back of it. Yeah, they, they were always there really good. Ones. They were pretty cool trophies, though. Yeah. Well, these, the the Australian trophy in Melbourne's like that, isn't it? It's a replica of Jack Brabham's steering wheel. Yes, that one that, still that's, that's, that's really that still one. exists for that one. Um, Not a big giant glass Heineken star, then. No. <laughs> but I, I do or like the, or the vase they get in Hungary. Yeah, I, I do like the ones that have got the history to them like that, though. Like, yeah, even I if even if that. it's not the most traditional looking thing, like a vase in Hungary, like it is a tradition within that race, and it's yeah. kind of what what we get. Like, there's and obviously that, the like, big one that you get at Silverstone, the big golden one. Um, the Lewis loves to throw in the air. Um, the cool <laughs> thing is, it's related to the the country that's hosting the race yeah, and it's, exactly. like, it's got a bit of sentiment to it usually yeah. rather than just again just a big piece of corporate silverware yeah you know yeah like with a massive logo on it like those ones kind of just a little bit gross to me yeah. did we ever work out what the paul ricard monkeys were it's just some visit France thing, I think. I think oh. it's like tourist board stuff. So yeah, it, just like so it is on the guise put... of what we're talking about, but a crap version. Basically. Kind of, yeah, well, like inspired by like a corporate exercise to get yeah. people to visit France. Like, I... like the like the Britain is great thing that they did for a while as well. Can you remember that? Oh, yeah. Disgusting. Well That's done, Bastan. <laughs> I kind I kind of miss the the gorilla trophies now. <laughs> Especially having seen these weird plates they had this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Right. But, I'll go on. Yeah, I mean, well, you've got the Russell not being able to tell the difference between rain and sweat thing here. I suppose all he needed to do was wipe his visor and he was like, <laughs> put, 
it did, and he did go for laps. Before <laughs> yeah. he realised, but um, there there is like some comedy to that, I suppose. But I think the real, the real one. I think you can. Me- I think you can mention like the Hamilton Mercedes, uh, sort of Hamilton Russell collision oh, in quality. Yeah, of course, that's a good one. Yeah, that of course it one. is. That was kind of wild. Like, that was probably the most mental thing that happened all weekend. Yeah, what that's absolutely what but it is. Another WTF is just having a normal race weekend without champions, <laughs> without all yeah. the nonsense. Like it was a pretty what is straightforward this? race. Not even a retirement from the race. Yeah. So you don't get more normal. What is family. this that's normality? Normal, yeah. And I I really enjoyed it. I, I, I yeah. had a really, really yeah. nice time just seeing the Formula One be Formula One for a change and not try to be everything else. Uh, that that, that combined with the world. Spain as a race being interesting. Um, after some of the years yeah, we've the had circuit. in recent times, the circuit being yeah. interesting. The circuit layout is great. I think this is a winner. The circuit layout is absolutely a winner. Like these yeah, they've messed with well it probably over do. the last few years. Just leave it, leave it be now. You've got it. You've yeah. done it. You've leave nailed it, it. Don't mess with qualifying. Don't mess with the circuit. It seems like a good fun event for people to go to. And mm-hmm. yeah, there's you, you've nailed it. Keep 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 it up. So now we've talked about the good bits. Are we saying Merck Collision was the big WTF? I think so, yeah. It's got to be. Okay, just just checking. It's a silly one and a bit mental. Uh, Paul's just thrown in a random late nomination of WTF has to go to Discord being drunk, obviously. Oh, God, yeah. Discord just lost its mind on Sunday (laughs) and was just... People were like trying to send messages and they weren't going through. And then it would just like <laughs> randomly send the message about 10 minutes after it uh, originally was submitted and then just kept repeating the same messages nice. over and over again. It basically really, saved absolute chaos. That's really helpful when your entire podcast community is on Discord yeah. and your entire <laughs> cell of your podcast community is <laughs> we do things live as they happen. <laughs> Not good for in-race conversation. No. Um, I've thrown a bit of an extra thing into the document here that I didn't even prep either of you for. Uh-oh. So I'm just going to drop it on you now. We're pretty much a third of the way through the season now, and we've mm-hmm. got a little bit of a gap. So I thought it might be a nice time to just like drop in a couple of general thoughts on the season so far. Okay. Do you want to hit us with yours, Chris, while we're thinking about? I mean, <laughs> I mean, the headline one is obviously Verstappen already looks unbeatable. Like, I think we're going to need to be looking for our interest in terms of championships elsewhere for the rest of the year. Yeah. Um, and on the plus side, everything behind him, I guess behind the Red Bulls, just is ridiculously close. Like, yeah, it, the times in qualifying were stupidly close. I think if you ignored Verstappen in Q3 this weekend, it was like six or seven tenths covered the rest of the top 10. Like, it was ridiculous. And I, I feel like that order is probably going to keep changing. Oh, man, like... It was less than that. Like I think from from second down to like seventh, there was no more than about two temps covering them. It was crazy, yeah, crazy, yeah. crazy how close it was towards the end of qualifying. Absolutely crazy. Um, which is, uh, I always say, I always make the comparison, but 2009 qualifying in Formula One was like the best mm-hmm. year for qualifying in Formula One. And if we didn't have one person absolutely killing it, which is totally fine because they earned <laughs> it. But if we would be at that level of like closeness of qualifying if, yeah. if, if there wasn't that level of dominance going on. And I think that is my other like big takeaway from the season so far is that I'm enjoying qualifying more than I have in a very long time this season. Qualifying is like 
fast becoming the don't miss part of the weekend. It's just it's yeah. so entertaining this year. I mean, 2021 qualifying was wild because that was, you know, real battles for pole position. Yeah. Like proper, proper tight at the front. So, yeah. And there was just all this extra tension around that anyway, which, you know, some yeah. people loved, other people didn't love so much. Um, is ancient history now, we hope. So, um, yeah. Um, what what am I... What are my what are my thoughts third way through the season? I think obviously I'm excited to see what's going to happen with Aston for the remainder of the season. Um, mm-hmm. I'm pleased that there's a new new kid on the block in the top four kind of thing, and it's nice to see that sort of top four shuffling around a little bit and not just being set in stone, not being yeah. like one you know set yeah. order and that's how it is all season. Um, it's good to see old faces doing really, really well as well. You know, Alonso, everyone's, you know, there was a time when people didn't like Alonso. I've always been kind of, eh, Alonso exists. But <laughs> now I'm like, I'm becoming an Alonso fan. <laughs> like, I really, really like Alonso. Just like I became a Vettel fan. I think it's it's the Aston effect. <laughs> yeah, it's weird, right? Um, they just make drivers that used to be not that likable, very likable. <laughs> um, even Stroll, I'm kind of like, I've got a bit, getting a bit of a soft spot for. So, yeah, and I think like my 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 other big thought going in, I guess like coming coming into this sort of second third of the of the season maybe is how Mercedes have sort of done what they said they were going to do. You know, they've not they've not committed to a flawed concept. They have made the changes. They've done what they needed to do. And at first glance, like these first two races that they've run these updates, they seem to have worked for them. And they've, de- I think it's difficult to deny that they have moved forward. I think two races is enough to say, you know, that two very different races now, and they've been equally competitive at both. So going into the next one, I think the, you know, the Canada race, if they're again, another outlier track, if they're, good there then it i said it earlier they they it should stand up in good stead and give them a good platform to develop them for the rest of the season and maybe even get some wins towards the end yeah mm-hmm. i can't really add anything much more to what you've already both said yeah mm-hmm. we've kind of like blasted you've, you've loads out, out there done it all covered it all <laughs> <laughs> i'll just do predictions <laughs> so an actually okay weekend i guess for at least me and Stu. we got the double verstappen because we just went sensible Chris, however, smashed a four pointer with a Called double it. with a double Verstappen and the no DNF twenty finishes. Um I knew where your mouth is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Money mouth and it worked. However, one person did slightly better. Uh Dick Carlson got a full five out of five. Um, because he also got well done. Alexander Albon's position in 16th spot on, which actually, Chris, well done. credit to you, 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 you were only one position out on that as well. So close. So close. Yeah. That would have been your first five out of five. Yeah, it, yeah. I think it might have been, yeah. I don't think yeah. I ever got it. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, well done to Dick Carlson on that one. So you reach out to us, let us uh, know through your preferred social media contact method or email, and we'll uh, we'll sort out your prize. Uh, I want to just point first out... First year, isn't it? Yeah, that's the first one of this year. I just want yeah. to point out a, a huge commiserations to uh, a James Hadley, who, when I was looking through the results, got four out of five because they didn't money mouth. Oh, no. So the vets. James had, yeah, uh, double Verstappen with no DNFs, but then picked 
18 finishes um, oh, with Albon in 16th. So that bet hedging has got to hurt slightly. It's got sting. He's, he's okay. He's playing the long game. <laughs> <laughs> still good points for the overall leaderboard, though. Um, still very good points for that. Uh, speaking of, our current leader um, is Benjamin Claxton on 16 points. Uh, and then there's a whole trope of people on 15 points right behind. So still lots to play for there in this very long season. Even if we are a third of the way through it, there's still a long way to go. And I must have caught up a smidge now, right? Probably. Um, I haven't looked where we... I don't really look. I'm on 11. There you go. You, I'm not too far. You've actually leapfrogged the uh, Stu and I. I don't know if you were above Stu already, but you, you've you definitely leapfrogged me if you if you haven't leapfrogged Stu as well. Yeah. Chris's year. I'll take it. It's the year of the Chris. <laughs> I don't think I've ever won between the three of us, have I? Uh, no, I think it's unfortunately for you. It's always been me or Stu. This is it. This is my year. <laughs> have I ever won? I don't think. Yeah, I've yeah, yeah. You've, you've, you've definitely you two have both won. You've year. definitely won at least one. At least one. I know. I won the. I won the F one fantasy league. The the F one digital team fantasy league one year. <laughs> yes, you did win that as well. That was probably that's the, important. I though. think it's hours that matter. I think that's the same year you won predictions. I'm that was you had a really good year. That was my well. I mean, I worked every race that year. Yeah. Knew, when you're that like involved and you're just you're watching all the time and you you were living stories it. And you said, you, I really was living Formula <laughs> One in those days. So, For better um, or worse, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, I'm quite a long way down in this. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of uh, fantasy, we've got um, the Spinquisition. Uh, I mean, it's a name we've mentioned all season. Winner. Winner th- oh, actually, no, tied for first this weekend. I apologize. Uh, Red Bull USA both got 301 points there, uh, but it means that the Spinquisition is still at the top of the official F1 fantasy board at 2,164 points. Um, and then when it comes to grid rival, um, Rohan was this week's top scorer with 1,059 points. Um, uh, but there's been a change in the overall standings as Effortless League goes to the top, a name we know from last season as well. Um, 6,992 points for Lee. So congratulations to all you movers around and winners. Um, movers and shakers. Movers and shakers. <laughs> if you want to get involved with any of this, just head to backofthegrid.com. There's links there to both of the fantasy leagues that we run. And you can also go through the... Uh, prediction standings register yourself up if you want to go in next time out when we come around to doing canada um and yeah it's, it's always worth doing there's also a bit of a contact form if you do want to reach out and contact us that way um uh, speaking of contacting us i think it's time for some inbox isn't it gentlemen yeah yes. it is Um, I'll take the first one. Um, It is from Tommy Prez, and it says, so you guys love the Barcelona circuit. What do you guys think makes a good race course? Interesting question. What does make a good race course? I wouldn't say I love Barcelona as a... Well... It's gone up my estimation after this weekend. We were, um, we were excited was, about the changes, weren't we? I think that's we maybe where that's come from. We were excited to see not what the having, changes did. Not having a clumsy, slow chicane, that makes a good race course, it yeah. turns out. Yeah. It's like, I've, there's a few like elements, right? Like, 
you want a circuit that's got kind of a flow to it. Yeah. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily make for a good circuit for racing. It's maybe something exciting. Like um Mugello, for example, in qualifying. Amazing circuit. Like the way the cars move through that, phenomenal. As a circuit for racing on, it didn't really deliver all that much. Like there's mm. But it didn't have an opportunity, did it? Because it only hosted like two races. So it did, and one of them was a hot mess. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think you definitely flow is like a huge part of it. And I think this year, this circuit has had, it's the most you've seen this circuit ever have flow. And I think if you've ever driven it on Gran Turismo or any of the Sims, then it is a really, really, really enjoyable circuit to drive. And I think that's a really important thing for, I think the drivers need to enjoy driving the circuits. I think that's, that should be the minimum, right? Like it, this is Formula One. These are the these are supposed to be the best drivers in the world, driving one of the best circuits in the world. And a prerequisite of being one of the best circuits in the world surely has to be that it's enjoyable to drive around. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and it's, there's there's a surprising amount on the F1 calendar that aren't enjoyable to drive yeah. around. I feel like the the com- it's getting the balance right between some sort of like high braking zone and general flow and i feel like the circuits that do that well are the ones that i personally enjoy watching the most because it tends to Mm -hmm. produce the best sort of action like i mean some might disagree but i think monza's good for that like there's there's high braking zones which create overtaking but there's also elements where you've got a bit of flow to it like ascari for example like yeah. you've got you've got like a nice combination and, yeah i mean the first chicane is maybe getting a little bit clumsy in these cars these days and possibly needs looking at but you need that braking zone at the end of that start finish straight and you've got the one into the second chicane as well in turns four and five is officially isn't it um mm. And you know, I think, and like the Lesmos days... have got the flow. Like, there's there's just there's a bit of a combination of the two, and that's what I like. At least that's what I think is yeah, a good yeah. circuit. I think you're dead right. I think that those are the two main things: flow and overtaking opportunities. Basically, that's yeah. what you need. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. Next one. Uh, next one from Bobsy Cat. Here's a question that came up during the race: If DRS is an overtaking feature, why is it used in qualifying? Should DRS be axed from quality? That's a good question. Um, it's an interesting um, question. I think if it's there, so like, I think for me, like part of the reason, well, for F1, part of the reason they like it is because it's a very visual moving part of the car that you can see happen. Like it, it mm-hmm. gives the commentators an opportunity to say an extra thing about how fast the car's going, how much the driver is pushing when they say DRS wide open. Um, which really so, bothers me, by the way. Yeah, no, like, it's either open or it's closed. Like, yeah, There's no. Yeah. It's not like oh, I'll just open it halfway. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> you know that is, it is like a, a fun superlative for them to use. Yeah, no, and, you're right. And engage the audience with. So th- there's that. Um, if it was up to me, I think you, you'd let them use DRS wherever on the track. I don't get why there's DRS zones. I mean, yeah, we. I mean, I do get why it's safety, but yeah, I think. In qualifying, really, though, like, they used to have free reign. If you remember, early yeah, days know, of DRS, yeah. it used yeah, it to be racing-wise, there were the zones, and it's kind of always been like that there. But then qualifying-wise, you could just 
pop it whenever you wanted. Like, I think there's I, a better way of implementing DRS as well. I think like the the being one second behind rule is kind of arbitrary. I feel like maybe giving them a limited number of times they could use it would may possibly make races a little bit more dynamic and it wouldn't be that huge of a lift for them to update the graphics and say how many yeah. implementations of that they've got well, left and just allow guess, them to use it anywhere on the track. The that's how I don't know, I can't remember if it's still the same, but that's how like the lower formulas like F two and F three implemented it for a while, wasn't it? Where you could use it but you only had so many instances of it i'm i'm sure the lower formulas did something oh, like that i think you're thinking of when f2 first had it was some kind of push to pass system ah, right, and they okay. had a limited number of uses that might be what i'm thinking um, of them rather than drs because i guess the danger is if you open it up more is that every time someone tries to use it to overtake the other driver will use it to defend and it just kind of cancels but if you've only out. got like 10 <laughs> i mean there's an arbitrary yeah. number of that but yeah if you've only got a certain yeah, number you only get yeah you you've got a limited number of attacks and a limited number of defenses so then it's then it adds an element of strategy to the on yeah. the driver's yeah. side of how how much am i going to use this resource you know do i need to save it am i going to use it to get the fastest lap towards the end am i going to try and save it for that am i going to use it just purely for attacking and then if i need to defend then i'll try and attack again and overtake like i think you'd probably get slightly more dynamic races if you did allow a little bit more freedom of, of the mm. use of drs and, and it's there so why not and i also think i don't really like the way at certain circuits that drs is a lot more powerful than it is at others and i also yeah. don't like the way that certain teams have a much more powerful drs than others it seems weird to me i i i understand why and how it's happened because they've developed mm -hmm. that into the car and that's you know credit to them for doing that but i think when it's that powerful for one particular car and you don't have anything to defend with on certain mm -hmm. straights then that kind of ruins the racing for me you know it shouldn't be pushed to pass it should be a strategic speed boost if you because like. it's it's impossible to make it a spec part because then you're making yeah part just, of the aerodynamic spec and then yeah you're getting way too far away from what f1 kind of is yeah exactly. um but to go back to the, the dearest in qualifying thing i think just at a fundamental level like i see qualifying as when cars and drivers should be out there going as fast as they are possible to go and mm. drs is a thing that makes you go faster so yeah on, on that alone i'm, I'm kind mm. of fine with it being used there yeah yeah that's fair uh next one jeff uh hola chicos this weekend uh sorry this week's question is not about ferrari surprisingly enough our resident <laughs> ferrari fan jeff obviously um but he's saying i really thought magnuson would show hulkenberg up this season it's not even as if kevin is racing as well as he did last season uh, and has to actually have a better car this year compared to last has Magnussen pulled a page from Ricardo's playbook and now can no longer manage the car? Or Hulk should shouldn't be wiping the floor with Kevin. And I've always rated them about the same talent wise. What are your thoughts? He, he has cut off one. Hulkenberg has kind of come back like he never left, hasn't he? I yeah. mean, I know from when he like subbed in for what was it racing point in Aston Martin that a couple of times he kind of did the same thing but so it's not the biggest surprise I guess but like he has just got back and got on with the job like he's 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 doing well in what is again a frustrating car like he qualified so well this weekend and then yeah. just went backwards because Haas 
seem to struggle to make a car with race pace these days. Yeah, I think I've, um, I've always liked Nico because of this sort of ability. Like, I mean, yes, he probably could have done more at times, but generally speaking, he is so adaptable and pretty consistent at what, you know, I mean, he was so consistent, he never scored a podium no matter how close he could have been. Aha. <laughs> <laughs> but no, joking aside, like, he's always been a solid driver and he, I think he's proven that like the years when he jumped into WEC and did Le Mans and stuff like that. Like I've always had a lot of respect and a lot of time for Hulkenberg as a driver. Um, and I think they brought him back at the right time for the same reason that they originally brought K-Mag back, which was a driver that knows recent era formula one and can help them develop the car. Um, Am I surprised he's doing better than Magnussen? I would say no, because of how I sort of rate Hulkenberg anyway. Um, would I say he's wiping the floor with him like Jeff says in the question? Probably not. Definitely performing I I... better, but I don't think it's as extreme as that is where I would put it. That's kind of what I was thinking as well, yeah. I, I, I don't think I'd quite go that far, but... Um... I definitely would have expected Magnussen to be ahead of him at this point. I think it's going to be one of those battles that ebbs and flows over the season. I think Could in that be. car, I don't necessarily think it's going to be. I think it's. I don't think it's all cut and dry between those two drivers yet. Yeah. Um, so uh, my response to this question is: ask me again. <laughs> maybe, maybe when we're two thirds through the season, we've got a bit more of a <laughs> yeah. Could it be interesting to see where the next third of the season goes? Though, wouldn't it going into the summer break? Because you might find yeah. that he's suddenly on a knife edge and they're, they're neck and neck again, which would be really yeah, interesting. Hmm. Exactly. Um, okay, last couple really quick. Then uh, McCheco, hey man, Alonso is, con- Alonso, is- <laughs> Alonso is conjuring up a false sense of security between himself and Lance and will savagely betray him in the most spectacular way imaginable, imaginable before <laughs> the season is out. Discuss. <laughs> I mean, I, um, I stand on record as saying earlier, he's a wily fox and he is always up to something. I'm not saying that that's <laughs> what it is, but... We said it earlier. We touched on it earlier. He's paying it forward. Like, yeah, I think yeah. that's what this message kind of alludes to as well. Like he's he's doing all the nice things now so that later on in the season when, you know, when it's getting towards the end and he's he's wanting maybe wanting a few more points and the and the... And the we're in we're down to the business end then he can be he he's slowly shaped well he i mean he, he clearly is the dominant side of that yeah of that team there's no doubt about that and i think by doing this that just reinforces that fact even more everything he's doing shows that he's the boss there. he's he's essentially Regardless got of, yeah both sides of the garage on his side with yeah. with things like this because Everyone, even on Lance's side of the garage, is going to be more than happy to support Fernando in something because of these sort of... Like, just the little compliments of, I saw that move into turn whatever. Like, what position was it for? It was a good move. like Or not aggressively fighting him for this position when, like, big picture, it's not going to matter if they finish one way around or the other in terms of the team. Like, these are all things that the wider team, like, will be wow, this guy's like humble and we've got a lot of respect for him. And then when he wants something, he'll get it instantly. He's managed to like 
generate a situation where by kind of rolling over and letting Lance beat him, it's actually like a massive power move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, yeah. It's such an Alonzo thing to do, but like... <laughs> Yeah, the second there's a win on the cards, like the gloves come off completely. Especially yeah. if next season they are like still at the front and maybe even fighting for wins. Like, yeah, gloves are off completely. Yeah, well, yeah. this is it. Like, he, I think, and I think that's what a lot of this is about is that if, if if he can see, he's obviously seeing things that he likes in the development of that team. So he's thinking. I mean, who isn't seeing things that like you know that team yeah. is is on the on the front foot. They're going forward. Yeah. Um, I think. He's looking. He is looking towards next season, thinking, right? I'm doing all the. I'll do all these favors now. I've reinforced my power more and more and more and more. And then when it comes to next season, I will be owed a lot by this team. Yeah, and that's that's where he's going to be playing the long game. Yeah, yeah, big time. Four D chess, man. <laughs> yeah. Next one. Next one from Jose V. Uh, Ciao, Amici. Sure. Do you think Ferrari's upgrades will bring about significant improvement in their constructors' ranking? How does it compare to the Mercedes upgrades? I don't believe we had a proper chance to compare in Spain since the strategy from Ferrari was so creatively different to expectations. <laughs> in other words, crap. <laughs> I think it doesn't matter what what upgrades you bring to your car. If you don't have the strategy to to follow up with it, then you're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And Poor stra- I'm also starting to feel like as much as the talk at the start of the season was about Mercedes not doing the business with their car. Yeah. I'm kind of starting to feel like the Ferrari is actually a more fundamentally flawed package than the Mercedes is. And I I don't know how far that can develop themselves out of this hole. I I was just going to say, you lose more winning opportunities with bad strategy than you do with a bad car, if that makes sense. Like, He's, he's, you, you throw away more with poor strategy and poor yeah. calls. The cars are so close that yeah. like, it's the strategy it, that that often makes the difference. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah. in this era in particular, like we've already talked about how just how close qualifying is and stuff like that. Like it, when you take the Red Bulls out of the mix, which is kind of what we're doing here, is like who's going to get that that second place? It's it's not it's not mattered for Mercedes up to this point that they've not had the strongest car. They've still been ahead of Ferrari. They're now ahead of Aston. I mean, yes, fair enough. Part of that is owed to upgrades, but ultimately, it's a combination of a poor car being strengthened, but also consistently good strategy, um, and having very mm-hmm. good, two very good oh cars. yeah, and and the drivers. But yeah. I mean, I think if you lift like say Leclerc and Carlos signs out of that Ferrari, stick them as the Red Bull pair, stick them as a Mercedes pair, they're off winning races week in, week out. I don't think the driver pairing at Ferrari is anything to do with the problem. It's, no. it's Ferrari. It's strategy and direction from Ferrari. They had Kimi Raikkonen, <clears throat> they've had Fernando yeah. Alonso, yeah. they've had Sebastian Vettel, think they've who's had been there. Charles Leclerc, they've yeah. had Carlos Sainz. They've had... We've said this so many times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, last one, quick. Yes, last one. Paul says, hey man, should we all be off to the bookies to put a bet on Red Bull winning all the races <laughs> this season? Um, I won't tell you how to spend your money, but um, <laughs> I'm not a betting man either, he says, but uh, um, it's, it doesn't seem like a bad bet to me. Yeah. I don't think they will. I think they're going to win the vast majority of them, but over a season, something always happens. Um 
generally. Yeah. And and to I be fair, I think when there's yeah. this many races as well, there's 22, 23 races. So yeah. yeah, you are going to struggle to win every single one of those. To be fair, one good way of making sure that they don't win every race, if you don't want it to happen, is to probably put a bet on it. In my experience, <laughs> yeah, actually. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. go get the odds. <laughs> there's a reason my friend who's an Arsenal fan puts a lot of bets on uh, Tottenham to win. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it works. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, right. Okay. That wraps up Inbox for this week. So thank you to everyone who has joined us. Uh, special thank you to everyone in Discord um, who obviously join us live every week, get involved with the chat and so on. If you want to be part of that, head to patreon.com forward slash back of the grid. If you want to get in touch with us the normal ways, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And as I mentioned earlier, head to backofthegrid.com where there's a contact form as well. And you can register for all the Predictions League and join the Fantasy Leagues. Uh, that is all that. Worth a quick Leave mention. Leave a comment below if you're watching oh, yeah. on YouTube. Yeah, YouTube stuff's yes. new. I keep That's the one bit I keep forgetting. So please like, <laughs> subscribe if you do the YouTube thing. Leave your comments. And if you've got this far, thank you so much for listening. As well. <laughs> of course. Um, with a quick cheeky um, mention that Le, the Le Mans 24 Hours is this weekend. Um, Jensen Button, obviously one of our all-time favorite drivers between the three of us probably combined, uh, is racing a modified NASCAR Chevy. Uh, I can't remember the model now. Did you see now. any of the practice times? Yeah. So to quickly touch on this, that car looks mega. Yeah, it looks mega. Everyone thought it was just going to like barrel down the straights and then like fall over in every corner. But in actual fact, it they've sort of modified it in a way that the top they've sort of sacrificed some of the top speed just to get it through the corners. And oh my god, he's competing with the GTS, and it looks awesome. Yeah, I they think do. in practice it was faster than all the GTMs. They yeah. do have decent suspension travel on them, those things. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, you can set them up to be really, really good road race cars, like touring car almost. So yeah. and, they're, and they're running like, yeah. I don't know what tyres they're running. There. Are they running I'm not sure. They're running definitely something higher profile than what a lot of other cars there will be running, 100%, from what I've seen. It's also enormous compared to other cars in that it's group. Huge. And it sounds like an absolute deep Big oh, V8. I'll have so to check good. that out. There's... Yeah, have a if look you on YouTube. To, um, some... If you plan on watching some Le Mans this weekend and want some people to chat to, I know I'm going to be watching a lot of it and lots of Discord people will. So yeah, there we yeah, go. Jo- join the Discord well. for our F1 podcast to watch the Le Mans 24 hour. There's that for everyone's one. Right. Thank you very much, everyone. And we will see you next week as we start looking ahead to Canada. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Well done.